yeah, welcome back to the Firing at Pins Golf Gambling Show, the most cursed golf gambling show here on the internet. Welcome back. I'm the That's host, Jeff true. Clark. That's not true. I have hit nine outrights pre-tournament since starting this podcast last year, and not a single one of them I've given out in this podcast, including last week's Mexico Open winner, which me and a third of the internet hit on Jake Knapp, 40 to 1. Good shit on us. Apparently, we're all using the same fucking model, but... I just can't give out a winner here. If it weren't you for you. You say it on the... Oh, because we didn't do a pod last No. Week. Oh, that's right. You wanted to, but I didn't. I, oh, that's I, I don't even No, I don't want to put that on you. I was lukewarm about it. I was literally 50-50. I asked, and you're like, yeah, I'm not that into it. I'm like, neither am I. I would just want to... I just like getting out the podcast for content, and I like shooting the shit with you about golf betting, and I would have been down, but I was kind of forcing it, so I was cool with taking the last week off. I didn't, like, I had not, like, I had nothing to say. I bet the two favorites, and it didn't work out. I bet Finau and Hoygaard, because I was like, one of these guys has to win this, right? Because this field is just trash. Yeah. Jake Knapp just punished the ball for three days got a little weird in yeah. the, the final got day real weird i was like i don't normally talk about golf with my dad like pro golf he doesn't watch pro golf but we happen to be on the phone and i'm just like you have to turn this on like i've never seen this before this dude is winning this golf tournament by four shots and he's shanking the ball like a yeah. lot not just like oh that's a nervous first tee like dude was hitting like duck hooks into the water he, that shot he hit in the water on i think like three he might have been the only guy who put it in that water the entire tournament like there's no reason for that water to even be in play for a tee shot for a professional golfer he literally shanked it in, and i'm like what what is this what is happening <laughs> yeah i uh i actually had a free roll on him in the fourth round, because entering the fourth round, I placed like a half unit on Sammy Valamaki. I think, that, yeah, I think that's how you say it. I got him at plus four seventy five because obviously he's the only one that could catch Nap. And I was like, I, I don't like hedging, and it wasn't a hedge; it was just just a bet so I can get a free roll. But I was like, it's it was a hedge. It is you it, hedged. It was just saying. No, I didn't. I only Deep put a hundred dollars on it to win four seventy five. It was not a big bet. It was just a free roll. A light hedge. A light hedge. But like I was I was thinking to myself, it would be really financially irresponsible for me not to just get a free roll out of this. You know what I mean? Because my worst fears were confirmed. Like this dude gave up the four circle lead and five holes, six holes, like one, one of those quick. two. It was it was real fast. And then I was looking it's, at but what's Valamaki those- minus 140. I was like, oh, shit. What's interesting, though, is that that's kind of the mental part that goes into a golf tournament, though, because Valamaki goes into Sunday with no real pressure, right? You're down four shots. Like, yeah, you might have to play perfect, but I think it was easier for him. And then once he got tied, you notice Valamaki started getting yeah. a little loose with his shots, where it was like, oh, I could – because I think you go into Sunday thinking, I'm probably not going to win this golf tournament, right? If you're Valamaki. Like, I'm four shots back. This dude's been – ripping the hell out of the ball he outdrives me by 30 yards on every hole i'm not gonna win this golf tournament that's he, fine you know play a good day finish second still great for him yeah he didn't but bogey like, for 30 holes jake Knapp. once it started to creep in you know it like at some point Valmont, he's like oh i could win this and then all of a sudden 
he starts getting loose. And actually, it was that flip for Nap too, where he went from like I, there's a weird thing that happens with golfers playing with a lead versus playing from behind, and you hear it a lot. Like that part of the mental game, it's it's a lot easier to chase than it is to be chased in golf. They say it all the time because it's it's also the one sport where you can lose points, right? Like no other professional sport, they still have to catch you, but you can't give them points. I mean, you know, obviously you could throw a pick six, but that's not you're not losing points. Yeah, the way you do in golf, and you can't play defense to stop it. Like if they that's just true. light it up, like that's that. There's nothing you can do. I mean, Hideki winning that tournament a couple of weeks ago by shooting a course record on Sunday. <laughs> the hell are you gonna do? I know, and I didn't give out Hideki pre-flop. Um, I didn't give him out live mid-tournament, even though I, I bet him. Zalatoris. And Zalatoris actually played fine on all the way through. Played fine on Sunday. Just fine wasn't gonna win a tournament with a guy shooting a course record. Oh, I after watching that Zalatoris performance, I mentally already decided to bet him in the Masters. Zalatoris is back. So what's funny about that is um, I saw a tweet somebody sent out that was like, oh, here we go. All the DFS guys are licking their chops that they can finally use Will Zalatoris again. It's like, I, I, is there a thing that I don't know about that he's just like this like gambler's favorite, DFS favorite? that Because the guy was like, I don't get it. I don't get why you guys all love Will Zalatoris so much. I like Will Zalatoris, and I, he's a great player. But I don't know. It was, it was an odd thing that – it's funny that you said that because, like, I saw a tweet saying that people like you were going to say that. Oh, for sure, yeah. I, I think he is, like, a fan. I think gamblers like him because he hasn't won as many tournaments as he should, and his ball striking is just as elite as it gets, and it's just if he can get a hot putter, and it's always kind of, like – attractive and enticing for betters. I fall into he, it literally every, like every, every better week. at putting too. Yeah. Yeah. I think you made a great point a few minutes ago about the Val- Valamaki uh, nap thing where it was like, he came back and, and that, and that lead evaporated so quickly, not based on anything Valamaki did. So like if he had the momentum and he was just playing well, he could have just, probably carry that right pass nap but because he didn't do anything to get the tie and then once he was tied it's like all right now i have to play well maybe that's when it like got into his head like you like you said like once he got once he tied nap all of a sudden he got nervous as shit because i think his plan was to do what he was doing like look if i shoot one under today i'm probably going to finish solo second which really is probably his goal going into that day right like again you're chasing um even I thought it was so interesting. And so actually, I give Valamaki a lot of credit for this. When he turned and asked the score or the, the rules, what, what's the score? Did you see that? Did you watch I the end? I didn't see that part. I watched the end, so, but I didn't, I didn't catch this. Valamaki hits his drive under the out-of-bounds fence, which means he's going to have to take an unplayable. It's, you know, winning the tournament at this point is, is out because he was two shots back. So he either needed to, you know, make eagle and have Nap uh, make par or – Needed nap to make bogey on a par five. Yeah. So anyway, he realized, he a, but he, he had a provisional because in case the ball went over the fence, right, or through the fence, right, yeah. which it didn't. But the point was, he asked the rules official, "What's the score?" And what he he wasn't asking what nap score was. What he was asking was, "Where are the guys behind?" Because there was a log jam in tied for third at like fourteen under, and dropping from solo second into that tie would have cost him a lot of money. And just for positioning, for like the PGA Tour's sake. And he knew at that moment, like, I'm not going to win this golf tournament, but I have to finish second place. So 
I need to do what's right for me to finish second here. And I thought that was smart that he actually made his decision based on like, all right, what do I need to do to make sure I don't lose where I am right now? I thought that was interesting and really smart. I was so glad that the, I think it was on NBC, that they had, they caught that on the microphones. And the commentators talked about like, wow, what awareness to be like, what do I need to do to not blow this completely? Yeah. Yeah, that was a hell of a tournament. I'm excited to finally get in the winning uh, side of things. Hopefully I can keep the momentum going here. We are no, starting. We're doing the podcast. So <laughs> right. You're guaranteed not to hit. Yeah. Yeah. All I'm these just waiting for you losers. to come out and be like, all right, I'm placing outrights on Roy McElroy, Cameron Young, Russell Henley, Eric Cole, and Tom Kim. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. The top five. Just trying to really make sure you cover your bases. Yeah. I don't even want to win. I just want to not lose. <laughs> um, so this is the first ever Cognizant classic taken over for the honda classic the honda Didn't it have a weird name didn't you tell me it has like a full yeah cognizant classic in the palm beaches what the hell is that it's a real mouthful yeah it's too much come on yeah kicks off the florida swing which i love a lot of the golfers right. live like around these courses it was always weird that the honda they classic in arizona those are like the two places called the pga golfers live yeah. or saint simon's in georgia that's another popular oh, really? one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. um but this is the first of the Florida Swing. Um, usually it has a pretty shitty feel. That's why Honda pulled out. But because of the reorganization of the schedule here in 2024 and moving the Mexico Open up, this has a pretty decent feel. Rory McIlroy, 2012 Honda Classic champion, is the the favorite at 7-1. Yeah, does he have something against Honda? Because it's like Rory never plays in this, and then Honda pulls out. And he's like, all right, I'm in. Honda's going to be like, bro, what did we do to you? No, you I couldn't show up at any time when it was the Honda Classic. He, now all of a sudden you want to play. He won in 2012, but it, I, again, it was just the reorganization of the schedule because they all everyone wanted to take the Honda Classic off to get ready for the Arnold Palmer for the players for the. Uh, I think just those two are the biggest ones, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Valspar isn't that big, but still part of the Florida swing. Still gets a decent field though. Yeah, it does. Because I almost went to that last year. Because people are well rested, you you like Enosbrook, right? The Valspar course. I haven't been there. Oh, but I thought you said you usually like you like that tournament. You like that course. I do like that tournament. Like I said, we uh, we were in Tampa last year around that time, and that was actually brought up. Like, should we go? We ended up not going, but uh, it was definitely it had a good enough field that I thought about going, and I wouldn't go if it didn't have a decent field. That has a pretty good field. This uh, the Honda excuse me, formerly known as Honda, the Cognizant, has a pretty good field. Roy McIlroy, the favorite at 6.5 to 7.5 to 1. I feel like Can't... we have to redefine like what a good PGA Tour field is anymore with all the lib stuff. Like, Yeah, this is a good field for the PGA Tour right now, but like, is it a good field? I was looking at the odds board, and I'm like, JT Poston is top 10 win odds? Ugh. I don't know about that. Yeah. Yeah, I hate the Live Tour for what they've done to the PGA Tour. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I agree with you. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just trying to make the best it of a... Ruined, of a, ruined professional golf, for sure. For sure. Um, but let's just try to make money here. All right? I don't okay. want to sit here and complain right. about the Live Tour because I could make a whole podcast out of this. Cameron Young is 22 to 1, and I don't effing get it, dude. Newsflash, this guy's number one shit. Eric Cole is right behind him at 25 to 1. How does Eric Cole, how is he 25 to 1? And he lost in a playoff last year to Chris Kirk, who's also in the field, who won a signature event earlier this year. 
and he's 40 to one. How does that, I don't get how that adds up. Um, it kind of goes to your point. Taurus effect. <laughs> Cameron Maybe. Young's kind of the same. And Eric Cole's also kind of the same where he's gotten close a bunch of times. Cameron Young more so. Both young guys on the rookie tour. Uh, Russell Henley, who... I mean, look, you get, these guys got to win their first tournament at some point, right? Like, I think everyone just kind of tricks themselves into thinking, like, I'm going to be on it when it happens. People have been saying that about Tommy Fleetwood for years. Same he did years. win, though, didn't he? N- not on the PGA Tour. On the DP World Tour, he's won several no, times. No, but what... He didn't... No, he won something. No, the closest he that, got was when the, Nick Taylor buried that 72-foot walk-off oh, that's in the Canadian right. Open. That was supposed to be his win, and then yeah. he still couldn't get it done. That's right. That's what I'm thinking of. You're right. You're absolutely right. Could have easily been a three-putt, and Nick Taylor was like, nope, walk-off. Um, Russell Henley has got the fourth-best odds, and your guy, Ben On, has the fifth-best odds. Not my guy. I you like Ben On. I liked him one time. I said I might bet him in this tournament. How does that make him my guy? Like three weeks ago, I was like, I might bet Ben on here. Now he's my guy. Maybe I'm Mandela affecting your love for Ben on. I think I, you are. I, 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 I don't bring him up that often. All right, my bad. I like it. Like I, 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 I might bet him here. I don't know. Maybe. Actually, the guy you just glossed over quickly is the guy who I do consider to be one of my guys, and that's Russell Henley. And I'm probably going to be on Russell Henley this tournament. So real quick, step back for a second. We are in a fantasy golf uh, league that starts this event because you are better with uh, brevity. Can you explain this real quick to the listeners? So we picked three. It's a it's a take on the one and done pool, which most people are familiar with. The the rules are similar in that you know whatever your whatever your golfer gets in prize money, you get uh, as points. Except in this, you pick three golfers instead of one, and you can only use each golfer three times throughout the course of the season. And then there's also a prize. Each tournament is its own event. So if you score the most points or your golfers get the most prize money in one event, you also win the week. You essentially win your entry back. So the goal is to win at least one tournament throughout the year, get your entry back, and then you're free rolling for uh, the rest of the way. Um, which I know you love to free roll. So yeah. once, you, once you get your dub here, it's a cognizant, and then you can free roll the season. Damn right. That's what I'm hoping for. Henley is one of my three picks in our uh, champ, or in our uh, fantasy same. league. Yeah, same. I got him, Daniel Berger, and Tom Hoagie, two of which Berger, made my car. interesting. Yeah. Why Berger? Well, he was 16-1 to to win this event in 2022 before he got that back injury, and it was a much tougher field, right? This is pre-Live Tour. And he showed enough form in his previous start at the Phoenix Open. I think he finished uh, like T29, but was ball striking it pretty well. I actually bet him at the Phoenix Open, hoping that that would be – but like, I don't think he's back yet. No, I'm trying to catch a falling knife, so to speak, right? So that's kind of like – well, Zalatoris broke out last week at the Genesis Invitational. I'm, I'm hoping to get the same for Daniel Berger. I expect Henley to be the most popular golfer picked in this the pool this week. Probably. We know no one's going to use Rory here. That'd be kind of crazy. Yeah, no one's going to use Rory. Well, I shouldn't say no one. Some people will. Most people won't. Uh, Cam Young is right on that line of like, but I don't think people will want to. Will feel like they're wasting a bullet with Cam Young which puts Henley squarely in that like number one 
driver's seat. This could be an interesting one, though, where you can kind of... This is where it, it becomes... There's almost a theory that you should play Rory, right? Because you think other people won't. Again, it's not necessarily great for your season-long strategy because you lose a Rory bullet. And even if he wins, you don't win the most you could get out of a Rory win if he wins like a signature event at some point. That being said, you do get paid if you win this tournament. And Rory's six to one to win this tournament. Like their odds makers are saying he's got a 14, right? 15, 16% chance to win the tournament. Mm -hmm. Um, There is a school of thought that says, go ahead, blow that Rory bullet truck. Hope he wins. Hope other people felt the same way that they didn't want to burn a bullet. And I don't know. I meant to just talk myself into using Ferrari this week. I think uh, one of our bosses, maybe this dude, the dude Clint, had a wagering at Fox or Outkick. Smart dude. I love talking golf betting with him and just any gambling with him. He made a good point. Whereas Rory hasn't won in the United States in a while now. So if I were to use a Rory bullet in a non-signature event, I might just use him to go back-to-back at the Scottish Open. Um, okay. I mean, it's fair. But that's the other thing, too. It's like, here's the part of the strategy you have to think about. I mean, you get to use in, – in so in a one-and-done, it's tougher. But in a three-and-done, you get to use Rory three times. You know, are you – like, how confident are you he's going to win a major? Right? Like, are you certain he's going to win one of the major tournaments this year? Because what's the prize money for this event? Do we know? Uh, Nine million purse, one point six two for the for the first wow, place. I'm, unbelievable that you had that. At the, that what a pro. Um, <laughs> all right, so one point six would be if Rory wins. You know, are you confident you can pick Rory three times, where he's going to make more than that in a tournament? I'm not sure that I'm that there's a spot that he's but again that assumes he's going to win which he might not win in which case you know but like I don't know that's that's what you have to kind of think about is you know I would go back and look at last year and see who I used and how much money they you know what I mean and like where did I use Scheffler like where you know did I use Scheffler once and he made 110 grand it's like well then i would have been better off using him when he won some non-signature event than i was using him in a tournament where he didn't win shit yeah i definitely got to go back and look at what i did last year because i was second to last so i'm just gonna do the opposite yeah yeah you should, you should. <laughs> but that's what i like so about bad. but honestly it is bad but so bad. you don't realize when you do this stuff and by the way i don't think we ever talked about this but you did ultimately win our uh football betting pool the mean machine Right. So Brad, yeah, I mean, that that was pretty cool, man. I've yeah. never won. I finished second one year. Yeah, I'm pre- I was pretty pumped about it. Um, hit that parlay too, the Super Bowl. And parlay. you got the Super Bowl right, so it wasn't even like you backdoored a victory. You actually went all the way. You were the number one team going into the Super Bowl and nailed the Super Bowl. Cost me about six hundred bucks because if I had not known what your picks were going to be, I would have made the same picks. However, I game theoried myself out of those picks because I knew that's what you were going to do and pick San Francisco instead of KC and missed only that one, which I'm annoyed at and I will forever be annoyed at. And it's also why I think you should give me half. <laughs> it was a toss-up game, so you could have easily won that had it gone another way, obviously, or the coin flip gone We're not here way. to talk about football. But I do think that the uh, I like so what much. I like about pools like this is – um, it does like you're a good golf better, you know, golf, you know, the players, you know, whatever. 
but it takes you know a couple years or a year to see how these things work and figure out how to play them it's not as simple as oh just pick the three best golfers or pick the three guys you know like you have to decide when it's worth going off the board a little bit and trying to get one uh, my biggest pick last year was in the two-man event you still only pick one golfer um, and I actually decided to double up and pick both winners. And it wasn't even like the winners. It was, who was it? It was Nick Hardy and, uh, yeah. Hardy and Davis Riley, Thompson, right. Davis or Riley, Davis Riley and Nick Hardy, maybe. Yeah. Sounds right. And like, it was, that paid for my whole season. Cause I won that week. Obviously no one else picked both. Cause a lot of like in that tournament, the, the strategy becomes like, all right, do I pick two guys in the same team and try to nail both winners? Or do I pick three guys who are all on different teams? That way I have three chances to win the tournament. You know what I mean? Like that kind of, I honestly thinking. didn't even think of your strategy as like an option until you an did option, it. Right? And I was like, I Oh didn't... shit, that's smart. But if it, it's smart when it hits, but Damn if right. Nick that's Hardy and Davis Riley finished 60th, then I looked up as hell. I don't know if I'm using this right, but is it confirmation bias we have here? Is this confirmation bias? It is on your part by calling it smart. Yeah, because, right. Well, it's not really confirmation bias. It's more hindsight than anything. It's like, oh, yeah, that was genius. Like, yeah, it looks smart, but at the same time, you know. Anyway, sorry, we're getting way off track, as we always do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Um... Daniel Berger, he has a low blow uh, ball flight, and <laughs> you're getting so much better at this. You're getting so much better at this. Yeah, back to Daniel Berger. He has a low ball flight, and that's why he plays really well at the Honda. He was second here as a hundred to one shot in his rookie season, 2015, the year after Russell Henley won the Honda. Now wait a minute. Let's talk about that real quick. So you mentioned the low ball flight. Why? But see, what I'm reading is that this course has typically played very windy, but it wasn't last year, and it isn't expected to be this year. Well, and they've softened it up. He is pretty long off the tee or has enough distance. Um, but, yeah, the the low ball flight is usually considering the winds. So the and fact that turned, it's going to be less see, windy. I'm sure you know this, but they turned the 10th hole from yep. a long par 4 into a relatively short par 5. They essentially took their hardest hole and possibly made it their easiest, which is kind of wild for a course to do, honestly. They took the hardest hole in golf and in turned golf, it into right? easy. Yeah, yeah, they just added 22 yards and made it a par 4 or a par 5. Yeah, I know. It's wild. It's I mean, it doesn't really change anything, right? Like you still have to put the ball in the hole in as few shots as you can. It doesn't change a yeah. lot. Like it it changes the minus number, but at the same, you know, what I mean, the hole's going to play the same. Yeah. Yeah, I think because of which the winning score will probably be like minus 13, minus 14 this year. Maybe even a little bit better because it was like as... Rory a little bit. I mean, you can argue anything favors Rory because he's the best golfer in the field, right? <laughs> I mean, if, Look, if it favors Rory that he's better than everyone else, <laughs> if yeah. you were it does. like, you can't argue that. Of course, if you were straight up like I'm, I'm single bullet in Rory. I'm gonna bet one unit on Rory to win, one unit on the top five, one unit on top ten, and whatever head-to-head matchups he was, he's in. But yeah, all right, you probably win money doing that. Actually, if you did that with so. Scotty Scheffler. 
Yeah, like so, how many top tens? Well, yeah, he's so Rory's. Yeah, he's plus two hundred top five, plus one hundred five top ten. Is that a BetMGM? Because that's where they'll they don't oh, right, they'll the they'll play out they'll pay out no, dead not. heat or ties. No, it's not. But I mean, we're talking about him winning, right? So it wouldn't matter in sure, that case. That's... There's not going to be a dead heat if he wins. But one unit six. If he were to win, and you were to do winner top five top ten, you you'd still only profit ten units. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. And you'd have to risk three. So, you're not a strategy I'm going to go with, but, I, you know, Meaning, Rory I'm is not gonna bet. I'm not going to bet Rory. I just think that there is an argument to be made in those type of pools where you get more than one golfer that it's not as crazy to use Rory in this tournament as I even, like, I was with you 100%. Like, I'm, there's no chance I'm using Rory here. Until I started talking it through, I was like, is everyone else going to think that? Or right, yeah. are a lot of people going to do what we're doing and then reverse engineer it back the other way and go like, no one else is going to use them. I'm going to use them. I don't know. That's what makes these things so fun, man. Like, that's what I like about it. I, I really like the golf league and I'm with you. You can overthink it a lot. Um, I just think because the difficulty of the course and how random the results are from year in, year out. I wouldn't... Just golf in general is kind of like that. Yeah, this one's even crazier, though, because of all the, the water danger, right? What are we up to this year on outrights as far as – do we know what, what the average outright is? Because it's still got to be pretty high. I mean, you said Nap was 40, right? The Nap – was 70. Nap was the – Was he the shortest he, favorite Yeah, to the win shortest favorite to he win. He was, right, yeah. at 40 to 1, which is kind of kind of crazy. Yeah, Hideki was 80. What was the one before that? Was the one before that Wyndham at 100? Might have been. Nick Taylor, whatever at that Phoenix Open, they've all been. Hideki was the cheapest at eighty to one. The other five were a hundred or hundred to one or higher, and then Nap was forty forty five to one. Um, so just officially, you are betting Henley and I am taking bet him in the pool. Hen- okay, I might not take him in the pool though, because <laughs> I may have talked myself out of the fact that everyone's going to use him. Um, he Henley is twenty five to one across the board. All right, um, Berger is my biggest favorite, and then I'm going with Keith Mitchell. Um, I knew who, you were going to. I knew I I should have said this already. He was the last one to make my card, even though he's the tied with Berger is the 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 biggest favorite I'm taking. But I just feel like everyone was on him last week. He came out and bogeyed the first three holes at the Mexico Open. Clint was one of the guys that bet him, and Clint was pissed. But he rallied, finished T19. He was actually, I think, even par to end round one, and he's only been over par in one of his 21 rounds this year. Mitchell's playing pretty well. Like, he's obviously got the distance for this. Uh, but he vent- wears a visor, Jeff, and I need you I to defend that part. I can't. I can't. I'm can't. not a visor. Good. I'm, I'm glad not. you're not going to. No, I'm not even going to try. Uh, he does have one of the coolest nicknames on, on tour, Cashmere Keith, though. That's true. Um, he's won the Honda. It's his only win. Uh, in 2019, he won the, the then Honda Classic. He's second in strokes gain approach, third in success rate when going for the green. And because of all the danger holes, I think going for the green stats are important, which PGA Tour. Does this tour- mean, based on you being in t- double dipping in this 35 range, does that mean you're not betting your guy Sungjae, a former winner here? I'm not, no. You're blowing my mind to this week already, Jeff. Dude, I love Sungjae, but I've actually... I know you do. 
I've made so many golf betting errors over the last year, and somehow one of them isn't losing a bunch of money on Sungjae. I just his game doesn't look right, and I'm not, I'm not, I'll, I'll, I'll lose money on my other Asian brothers, but not him. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, did why did you did you look at him this week? Yeah, I mean his ball striking shit. There's really nothing that he's doing well. We really, he's just not playing good golf, and hasn't since. Like the summer of 2022, really? Like, there's no reason to 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 back him here because he is. I mean, he is a, f- a former winner, but you have the crazy results year in year out, and so is Keith Mitchell. So I'm taking Keith Mitchell here. Um, who's the next highest favorite you have in your betting card? Um, probably a guy you've never heard of. His name's Sung J M. <laughs> Because I'm betting Sung Jay here. I don't care. Former winner. This feels like a really good price for him. Uh, he's priced the same as Adam Svensson and Sepp Straka, who I do like as well. I, I have Svensson uh, on my card. No, you don't. I do. You Okay. Do you like Svensson or no? We're going to fight. Why? You're What's going up? with Svensson at 40-1 to 1 over Sung Jay at 40 to 1. His His approach play has been on point this year. No, this is a perfect... No, this is a perfect a spot for Sanjay to, to turn around and and win a tournament. Okay, I, he's due. He's due, Jeff. I wouldn't hate if you're right. You know how much I love Sanjay. That you will hate it though because you aren't betting him, and that would be kind of disastrous. Mm, it wouldn't crush me that bad just because he's played so so bad. If I didn't win money on Hideki, I. This podcast might be shut down. So that's true. It's not as this wouldn't be as big of a blow to my like ego and confidence if Sung Jay got there. But I might I might stick a bet on and on him on on him live. Excuse me. Um. So what's your Sung Jay now? Just previous winner buy low price. I actually was I was joking. I was just saying that. (laughs) I thought it'd be funny. Um. Uh, I want to talk about a guy I'm going to fade this week. Is that all right? Yeah. I got to see what his matchup is. I'm going to fade Eric Van Royen. That guy annoys the hell out of me because I was on him before anyone else was. He And he never... And again, he's another one of those, like, gambler darlings because he's an excellent ball striker who can't putt at all. But also, like, I just think emotionally and mentally... I, I think he lacks what it takes, and I think that showed itself with a really excellent first round, and then he basically was no part of the the rest of the tournament. Um, I think he's gonna. I think he's a little overpriced here because of that first round lead last week. People saw him a lot. He was even like kind of around on Sunday enough that you know they showed some of his shots, and he finished. I think he's overrated here, and I'm gonna look to fade him. <clears throat> now again, I'll have to see. Like what his matchup is, but like he's in a range with Doug Gim, uh, Thorbjorn Olsen, both players I like much more than I like um, Ben Royan this week. You know, he's just behind Alex Noren, even Christian Bezadenho. Like, I just like those guys a ton more than Ben Royan, and I don't think he belongs in this price range. So, he's a guy I'm definitely looking to fade this week. He is minus 110 against Thorbjorn Olsen. At DraftKings. Locking in. I'm I'm absolutely going to be taking that matchup. You mentioned the guy I have on my betting card. That's fellow South South African Christian Bezadenhut. 
I like it. I like Bethesda. Like I again, I I this is my my whole analysis on EVR is I like the guys around him just so much better. Um, I got Bazaden Hoot at sixty to one on FanDuel. Um, he putted or played really well at the Genesis a couple weeks ago. Tied for twenty fourth, but gained strokes on approach, gained strokes putting, which is obviously the two most important stats here at uh, PGA National, which hosts the Cognizant Classic. He is fourth on tour this season in strokes gained approach, and averaging plus one point seven strokes gained putting uh, per event. So he's a good putter and has been dialed in with the ball striking. So I'm going to give it a shot. 60 to one. The only time I bet him was, I can't even remember the tournament, but it was to be the top South African at five to one. And he hit it for me. So I like Christian Bizaden. I'm going to go with him. I'm going to give you my, uh, my long shot. Now that we're going through. Bizayden Hoot is my longest shot, so this would be the perfect time. That's interesting because, uh, again, like where we've been this year with with the longer shots winning, you're not going to go off the board a little bit and try to get – hope it happens again? I might, yeah. I might, I might, I'll dig back into it tonight. I know Taylor Pendrith isn't going to be that guy. <laughs> no. I'm going to dig back into, into the stuff tonight after the gym, and maybe I'll add one because over the last – since 2010, the average um, odds for a winner here has been plus uh, 120 to one. Wow, 123 to one technically. So I'm okay. Excuse me. With that in mind, I'm not even really giving you a long shot. Uh, Lucas Glover. I like Glover at this track. This is a place where he plays well. He is great off the tee, at least at hitting fairways. He's a good middle iron player. Can't putt as usual. But, like, he's got six top 30 finishes and two top fives here. He's 80 to one. I like Glover as a as a long shot flyer here. Yeah, and one of the comp courses is TPC Southwind um, because of all the water danger they have there, and that's the site for the FedEx St. Jude Championship, which Lucas Glover won last season. So. Beautiful. Thank you for making me feel even better. That's, like... So in the pool, if I go Rory, I might throw in someone like Glover. Gotcha. I mean, I don't know how many times you'll use Glover this year, so why not? I, would. Use him I mean, here? it. Well, it's not about even the usage. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to give away my entire strategy because I'm way better at this than you, and I, <laughs> yeah. I don't need you drafting off me. <laughs> so, all right. Um, the other guy that I have on my on my board here, I got Adam Svensson, um, which we already touched on, but he's eighth in this field the last 24 rounds um, in just total strokes gained based on, on the stats that I input through Fantasy National. And seventh on my bet the model, or bet the number model in over 40 rounds. Ninth in strokes gained approach. Who's and- his matchup? Because I like Svensson too. I just don't necessarily think he can win, but he's one that, and you know I hate betting, placements because i don't have bet mgm and i get super annoyed at the uh at the dead heat rules i need to know what his but he's a guy i would consider definitely in a matchup no nah, it's our it's our two brothers fighting svensson's minus 120 favorite over christian bezaden hoot i can't i, like I can't do there. it i, I like hey, svensson there whatever as if svensson's first and bezaden hoot's second i'm happy because i got money on them both 
Um, and then the uh, I think the final guy on my card, right? The final guy would be Tom Hoagie, who helped me fall in love with golf betting when he won the 2022 AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. I tweeted out my pick. It, I, I single bullet Tom Hoagie in my third golf tournament I ever bet at the AT&T Pebble Beach. I bet him top 10 to win at 50 to 1 and, and a head-to-head over Denny McCarthy. I was so fucking pumped, dude. That was one of my favorite gambling wins ever, even though it wasn't like the biggest It's a great one. transition, too, because I'm also going to – I think Denny McCarthy's on my card as well. I don't hate him at all for this course at all. Yeah, I like him for this course. I like having at least one good putter on my card because – you know, at some point, inevitably, Thursday or Friday, I'm going to be sending you screenshots of missed four feet putts from Lucas Glover. Um, and so I just need to be able to, like, make myself feel better and see Denny McCarthy training like nine footers with regularity so that I don't kill myself. I like that for, like, mental <laughs> mental health. <laughs> you need it. You're yeah. going to bet someone like Lucas Glover and have to look at that, like, you know, you know, iron shot to 154 yards. Uh, 3.6 inches to hole, you know, shot three, putt, 4.7 feet, <laughs> two and a half feet from hole. And you're like, what? How? Yeah. That's a tap in. What are you doing? Hideki's t- toughing me off with that stuff. Like oh anytime God. I see it inside of four feet, it's like, all right, I got to pay attention to this tracker because this is not who, a lock. Wait, who was it? I was texting you about this. Who four putted this weekend? I don't know. I don't know this weekend. Oh, I think it was Keegan Bradley. I don't know if it was this weekend. Might he didn't play the weekend, Mexico but... Open. Okay, then it was last. It was the week before. Keegan Bradley four putted, including <laughs> back-to-back missed putts from inside four feet. Yeah. Well, we remember Rory three putted inside of three feet and lost by one stroke in that tournament that Tommy Fleetwood recently won on the yeah. DP World Tour. It's amazing. And then Rory just shook it off and won next week. Um but yeah, Tom Hoagie, best approach player on tour this season uh, through, what, seven events, six events, seven events. Um, playing really well lately. He finished T6 at Pebble Beach, T17 at the Phoenix Open, and T8 in his last start at the Genesis Invitational, two of which are signature events. I think the Phoenix finish is pretty encouraging because since that's like a driver-heavy course, and he's not very good driving the ball. I think the lack of distance here at PGA National fits his skill set. Although he's missed the cut four straight appearances here at this tournament. But, you know, there is a reason he's 50-1, to and that is the reason. He's putting his ass off, though, dialed in with the irons. And he set a course record last year at TBC Sawgrass in the third round of the Players' Championship, which, as we know, is part of the Florida Swing and a comp course to this one. So... Obviously, much tougher field. Hopefully, if he is ball striking as well as he did last year and recently, hit some putts, maybe he can get home for me. So that's my card right now. I'll probably add one via Twitter. Um, just a long shot, uh, a, a dart, if you will. But locked and loaded, I got Daniel Berger, Keith Mitchell, Adam Svensson, Tom Hoagie, and Christian Bezaden Newt. Who's your favorite golfers? I'm going to, this is separate of the pool, but I'm probably going, I have not placed my bets yet, but I'm looking at betting uh, Russell Henley, Denny McCarthy, Lucas Glover with a flyer, 
I might. I'm going to bet a Olsen over Van Royen head-to-head. And I think that's really it, man. I don't have a lot of other looks this week. EVR missed the cut last year here with a plus 14. <laughs> I, I'm looking to fade him. My, that's, my, my biggest bet's probably going to be Olsen over Van Royen. You just... Doing backstrokes in the uh, in the ponds over there. That's it. <laughs> At the uh, Palm Beach Gardens. Uh, next week, Arnold Palmer Invitational Signature Event, Bay Hill Club and Lodge. Love this tournament. Never profited off of it. Don't plan to do this, this next week, but we'll see. Hopefully I can carry the momentum I've had at the Genesis in Mexico through the Cognizant and throughout the Florida Swing. Are you going to be back next week, you think? I'll be back next week, guaranteed. You're not going to be in Florida doing Disney World stuff? Fuck it. All right. Show us some love on social media. If you can rate, subscribe, and review Apple Podcasts, or excuse me, on Apple Podcasts, the Outkick Bets Podcast, that'd be great. Follow Dan at RealDanZach on Twitter. see me argue with people. I know. You've been just going to war on Twitter lately. Yeah, go check out my Twitter. I'm in a battle. Go support me. Go like my tweets. Yep. Um, And that's it. Until next week. Peace.